Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Don brings us a sermon titled, A Mother's Legacy. The scripture comes from Matthew 15, 21 through 28 and is read by Beth Baravetto. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came up and started shouting, Have mercy on the Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs and fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that moment. Thank you so much, choir. It's been wonderful to sing with you these months. As an outsider in a large group, it's wonderful to have the largest small group uh, to feel connected to, to do creative things with. Thank you. Pray with me. Wonderful God, God our mother, our creator who gives us birth, who nurtures us and helps us, who strengthens us and give us courage uh, in the moments in our life when we need it most. You who encourage in us uh, creativity and nurturance and wisdom. Thank you for being with us this morning. Amen. My mom, Mildred Shrum, uh, was the first woman moderator of Seattle Presbytery in the mid-70s. Um, I remember, I think the event was a bicentennial celebration, maybe the opening of the Seattle Kingdom. Anyone here ever been in the Seattle Kingdom? It's been destroyed since. Of course, of course. And, uh, and so there's uh, Catholic bishops and an Episcopal priest and a bunch of other white men from non-denominational leadership and then mom. Uh, my family's Canadian, by the way. I'm the only American born in my family, so it's always mom. Uh, and I remember seeing her on TV and being so proud, even a little bit in awe of her uh, and what she had struggled with and what she had accomplished. Today, uh, moms and legacies, it was so incredibly sweet to hear your comments uh, during prayer time about what you remember, the names I heard you, the names calling out of who led to you, Allie's uh, great eloquent testimony to those in our lives who have served such important roles. This month uh, is a legacy month. We want to talk about what we've inherited, what we get and what we do with it, and then what we're leaving to others. And so this morning, especially uh, the women in our lives who have made that important step, who have guided us, uh, 
shaped us and maybe in more ways than we even care to admit sometime. In the mid-1960s, Mom was the first of two women elders at Bellevue First Presbyterian Church. Uh, picture this, Bellevue Church, uh, like New Hope, uh, wealthy, 99% white, suburban. In the 60s, I'm assuming at that first session meeting would have been lots of men in white shirts, maybe some ties. I think we were probably beyond hats by then, but I'm not sure this was a little traditional place. At that very first session meeting where mom and her best friend, Anne, were two of the 12 or 15, I don't know how many elders Bellevue had at the time, uh, and the head of staff welcomed them and said, what a momentous occasion this is when we finally recognize the gifts of women and the shared ministry we have as disciples, including for the first time around this big officious table, uh, women in leadership. Welcome uh, to Mildred and Anne. And on this event that we remember is sending a signal to the whole congregation, even to the presbytery, of recognizing the equality of women uh, this head of staff, after no doubt praying for the meeting, then said, gosh, what a momentous occasion. Maybe it'd be nice to, I don't know, have some coffee or something. <laughs> some of my sisters felt that in their gut, <laughs> right? There was a little pause, and mom said, that'd be lovely. I'd like some cream with mine, please. <laughs> I, th I thought this story was apocryphal until very recently. Um, apocryphal being based in fact, but maybe colored up a little bit for effect. We, in Bible study, we just read a couple weeks back, the resurrection account from the apocryphal second century gospel of Peter. And in that resurrection account, Jesus walks out with two attendants and a cross that reaches to the heavens and speaks to the world. And we all went, wow, that's a little... So I thought this story about my mom's leadership and courage was maybe just a little colored up until a couple years back. Mom's been gone for uh, 12 years now. Um, in my dad's retirement community was a woman uh, who had been at Bellevue Press for all these years. And when she brought up the story about the first meeting and about coffee, I didn't poo-poo it, but I kind of allowed for some creativity. And she corrected me. She said, no. Uh, I was a deaconess at the time. Maybe some of you remember when we had deacons, who were men, and deaconesses, who were women. Not just anyone can help people. I was a deaconess at the time, she said, and we all talked about it. It happened just like that. Uh, so I'm thinking of my mother this morning, thinking of her courage, thinking of struggles with sexism, both obvious and maybe not quite so obvious, even in systems and families that we love, where we try to grow and express our faith. The story today is a small story that might not be familiar to, to you. Um, this mother this morning I want to talk about is unnamed in Scripture. She's sometimes called the Syrophoenician woman because of where she's from. Uh, but she has no name. She's an outsider. And here's what you just heard, uh, the second part of it. His disciples urged him, saying, send her away because she's annoying. This, this, is, this is every church's first response to feminism. Send her away for she keeps shouting after us. Jesus said, uh, I was sent only to the lost sheep 
of the house of Israel. Jesus the rabbi clarifying what my business is, just us Jews. But she came and knelt before Jesus saying, Lord, help me. Jesus answered, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Um, This is the lowest point for Jesus in the Gospels. He insults her. Later on, he'll prophetically shout at Pharisees and church leaders. But at this point, Jesus is either, he's being both sexist and probably racist more so because she's an outsider. She's not one of us. Her ethnicity, her race is an outsider. It's not Jesus' best moment in the Gospels. Um, And you might think, well, uh, the sexism was just implicit then. Women were less than. It's just universal. Um, Can we expect Jesus to be outside of the man of his time? Um, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Brilliant. She chooses not to be offended, but has a comeback to our Lord. I love, by the way, I'm intrigued with insults, that even 2,000 years ago to call someone a dog was an insult. Uh, Are there other insults that have carried that long? Wow. And this, she knows that even then, uh, dogs tended to feed around the table at what the kids drop, at the crumbs. Even that dynamic, still today, kind of secret was common, and she knew, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table, and Jesus went, bravo, good good comeback. Rather than being insulted or angry, she corrects him. Jesus said, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter, she's praying for this mother, is praying for her daughter who's got a demon. And she has to come to Jesus. She has to be insulted first. Uh, But she's not going to be put off. Yes, Lord. Even the dogs catch the crumbs. And Jesus agrees with her and says, okay, okay. Good comeback. Great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. As an educator, I always think of a legacy of learning. And so I look at this story and it upsets me a little because one, I don't like thinking of Jesus as being mean-spirited. I don't, we we affirm, by the way, the 100% humanity of Jesus. We also want to talk about his divinity, but we dare not take away his humanity. And so we, we get permission to say, Jesus was a man of his time. Women weren't equal to him or anybody. You go to Luke's gospel, you'll find some more feminist color to this, right? Not so much in Matthew. In Matthew, he's a Jewish rabbi. He shouldn't be talking to women, period. And to this outsider, Jesus' racism. Can we excuse him? The reason I'm curious about this, of course, is about our Lord and Savior. But do we allow our Lord to learn, is the question this morning. Do we allow our Lord to learn from a woman? And of course, what I'm really interested in is if you're thinking no, if you're thinking no, I need my Jesus to be 100% divine. He must know everything. He can't. I'm worried about what that says about you and me. Can we learn from women? Will we let ourselves learn 
if we don't let Jesus learn? Can that be the legacy of being open? Do you know that um, some historians, by the way, uh, find this passage in Matthew extraordinary, Jesus' very narrow range, I've come just for the lost sheep of Israel. By the end of Matthew 28, he's going to give the best benediction, the most universal benediction. Go therefore into all the world, all the nations. Wow! Beautiful. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Reminding them. It's just to everybody. So some academics say, what happened between this passage and Matthew 28? And some of them answer, uh, this woman happened that our mother in faith taught Jesus, opened him up. This mother in faith made possible for Jesus to grow in faith and self-understanding and understanding of what God was doing in his life much more broadly. Is that offensive to you? Is it offensive to be taught by, most of us were taught by women all through elementary, all through grade school. All my heroes were heroines growing up. Will we let Jesus grow in faith, mature, outgrow his sexism, his racism? Can you and I, on this Mother's Day, outgrow our sexism, our racism? Can we broaden with what God is doing in us for the sake of these women, these grandmas in faith? A cover, a cover in music is a version of a song that's not your own. It's a legacy you take. I like this song. I'm going to do something with it. I'm going to make a cover. If you want a fun exercise, go online and type in best rock and roll covers of all time. It's very creative. It'll say a lot about who the author is, depending on what you come across. What defines a good cover? I have a Christmas time is a special time when we talk covers because there's a lot of unoriginal, non-original music that's being redone by whoever's got your favorite Christmas disc. Amy Mann's my favorite female songwriter of all time. She did a Christmas album a few years back about the same time as Michael McDonald, one of my favorite tenors, great pop vocalists of all time. Also did a Christmas album. I went and dutifully bought both CDs, listened to them once or twice, and never again. Um, I'm about to explain to you a bias of mine about faithless, not creative enough covers. Michael, I love your voice, but you got to do something different with Silent Night because I've heard it a lot. Amy Grant. Amy Grant has a couple of... Raise your hand if you have an Amy Grant Christmas album. I love her albums. Here, I skip past her conventional ones, and then she gets to her own... Tennessee Christmas and a couple other things. Bravo, Amy, you made it your own. You've included some themes, but you're making it your own. That's what I want out of a cover. The legacy I want is including you. We heard a couple covers this morning. Rudders for the beauty of the earth that you just sang. It's good. I love it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, thank you for directing, Tom. Instantly both recognizable and a little different. Instantly uh, Comforting and familiar, but not. But then I need to talk about another cover this morning. <laughs> Don't worry, I've already talked to Janet about this. You're, she's less anxious than you are. At first, I didn't like Janet's cover of The Beatitudes. It was too weird. 
choir's laughing because we're all whispering up front. What is, what is that note again? Matt and I saying, I can't, what is? Because the Beatitudes don't start, hear me, see me, touch me, heal me. Although in the middle of the night, Tom, just a few weeks back during prayer time, uh, you called us out, uh, help me, mold me, spirit of the living God. Fill me, it's also the four. Fill me, use me, spirit of, it's those four, but it's a different four here. And I know some of my brothers and sisters are hearing Roger Daltrey saying, see me, feel me, touch me, heal me. Yes. I. And Janet's is difficult. Janet's is not easily accessible. Come with me. Janet, I preach Beatitudes at least once a year because it always comes up late in January and that lectionary whatever year you're in because we finished the Christmas story but you can't get into Lent yet you need to focus on Jesus teachings here's the best teachings of Jesus and here's a great cover that has Janet's prints all over it early on I was trying to find my notes complaining to my tenor friends what is this strange thing uh, some of us uh, sit down at a piano or, and, and just play some, here's a chord that's pretty, here's a chord, next, that also fits, and we kind of do our thing. This woman's actually had training in composition. And so there's vocal lines that make sense what you make your sopranos and tenors and altos do. And even when it's difficult, there's a logic that ties it together and a beauty. For a long time, in the first few rehearsals of this, I thought, wow, I hope Sarah practices her organ part a little more. <laughs> because it was strange to my ear. And then in the last few rehearsals, oh no, she's echoing just what we did. Oh, that distance there is setting up the chords for the next part. Guide me, lead me, lift me, save me. Teach me how to live. Teach that is both not in the Beatitudes and a perfect addition for the Beatitudes. It's what the Beatitudes are about. Teach me how to live. Forgive me, O oh Lord. For the rest of my career, Janet, I'm going to stand up in front of congregations and say, as we turn to the Beatitudes, uh, guide me, lead me, lift me. And the congregation is going to go, what are, you, what are you doing, Pastor? This has uh, found a place in my heart. Thank you, Janet, uh, for your, what you... <laughs> Thank you for giving labor to such a beautiful thing, for birthing in us more careful listening, which lends to a deeper appreciation of what we already knew. We know the Beatitudes, the blessed ours, but in the hands of someone who appreciates legacy and guides us in creativity, makes us all want to be uh, deeper disciples. When your pastor comes in a couple months, when she stands behind here to preach to you, uh, when she brings up conventional wisdom and Bible, when you're thinking, what is the legacy she's inherited? Where did she come from? I'm teasing you. I know no more than you do about the candidate. <laughs> Settle down. Settle down and pay deep attention to whatever that feeling was in your gut just 15 seconds ago about what it would mean to have a woman shepherd. Whether it was dread 
or excitement or openness. This is different. Whether it was a prophetic sense of this would be hard for me, but I'd be willing, Lord. That should be the feeling you have no matter who it is. Women can teach us about the difficulties of labor. Lastly, uh, in Castle Rock and in Christendom, the weird part about you guys is you believe in women's equality. You're a bunch of feminists to the rest of Christendom. You should wear it boldly. Women have sweat, blood, and tears to get you here in all ways that I mean that, to create a space where if even our Lord and Savior can love and learn from women, then how much more can you and I take that legacy and similarly give birth to, nurture the love and creativity our town so desperately needs. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, may you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.